Chris, and welcome again if you are visiting. I know we've got a gentleman here from Heathfield and a couple over there that have seen us online. So it's great that... Um, thank you, Richard, for putting all this stuff online. Okay. As a church, we are going through our Statement of Faith leaflet, and I hope that most of you have picked one of these up. If not, there are some by the door on the way out. And it actually just states what we believe. And there are five, six, seven, eight or nine little articles about what do we believe. First one is God, and then the Bible and the human race. And today we're looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is he? Why did he come? How did he come? What was the purpose? We're just looking at the whole thing about Jesus. Uh, Roger spoke about three or four weeks ago on the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then Paul spoke two weeks ago on who is God, and so we're following on the series. We're not going in the order of the Statement of Faith, but we will cover most of that. Uh, today we're going to look at who Jesus is. It's understandable to hear folk explain the Godhead or the Trinity as Number one is God, number two is Jesus, and coming up in third place is the Holy Spirit. And we can have that kind of mindset that it's kind of like a, a priority list. Number one, God's number one, Jesus is number two, and Holy Spirit, yeah, come on in, you're number three, which is not correct thinking. And I hope if you did listen to Roger's sermon the other day, <clears throat> he corrected that. If you didn't listen to it, please do go online and, and look it up. It was about five weeks ago, four weeks ago. But today we're going to look at Jesus. Who is he? Is he fully God? Why then was he called the Son of God? Because if Jesus is fully God, well, why do you call him the Son of God? Where does his sonship come into it? Because we are called children of God, so are we sons of God? Um, what was his mission? So we have questions of why, how, when, where, all these questions. So the statement of faith is going to come onto the screen now. Here it is. Let me read it with you. This is from our little, our little colourful leaflet here. And it says, The Lord Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of a virgin, and lived a sinless life in obedience to the Father. He taught with authority, and all his words are true. On the cross he died, in the place of sinners, bearing God's punishment for their sin, redeeming them by his blood. And he rose from the dead, and in his resurrection body ascended into heaven, where he exalted as Lord of all. He intercedes for his people in the presence of the Father. Let's just pray. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this truth of this statement we've just read out. And I pray now, Holy Spirit, come and rest upon us all. Open our ears. Open our minds to hear you, Lord as we look at who you are, as we look at the truth about you, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Amen.
So let's start with the very first line, fully God, yet fully man. What does that mean? How can you be fully God and yet be fully man? Can man be God? Well, it's not saying that. In just over eight weeks' time, it will be Christmas. Yes, it's only eight weeks to go. Christmas adverts have already started on the television. Christmas has arrived in the shops. Have you got your turkey yet? <laughs> you have. Well done, didn't it? Um, but we will be celebrating the birth of Jesus. And this happened 2021 years ago. Now, are there any move youngsters here? Are there any youngsters that are in the move group? No, they've all gone? Okay. This, the, this the date today is the 24th of October, and the year is 2021 AD. Now, what does AD mean? Can anybody, what does AD mean? Anybody know? Anno Domini. Well done. Yes, I used to think, when I was a child, I used to think it was actual date. Oh, that was the actual date. <laughs> Which does make sense. Anno Domini. It's Latin. What does it mean? It means the year of the Lord. So what was it called before AD? BC. And is that Latin or is that English? English, and it means before Christ. So... This is where we can get a bit confused. Did Jesus come on the first Christmas? Because we're going to look at Christmas cards, we're going to send Christmas cards, there'll be some, the postman would deliver them in your house, and there'll be nice little scenes of the baby Jesus in a manger and the straw and there's animals and parents, the two, Mary and Joseph, lovingly looking at the baby, and you think, is this where it all started? It's a little bit confusing because Roger spoke the other day that Jesus was in the Trinity at the very beginning. So how, it's, it's, it can get a bit muddly. Our statement of faith reads that Jesus was born of a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit. So if God was at the beginning and the Holy Spirit was there, does that, bring, does that make Jesus coming into a good third place? Now, I'm not trying to be flippant here. I'm just trying to make sure that we all get clarity in our thinking of who Jesus is and how he came. Let's look at scripture to help us. Creeds and doctrines of faith are all very good to ponder on and study, but it's scripture. It's the Bible that is the foundation that we have been given. Translated from original scrolls, now printed in a printed form in our hands. You probably all, might, some of you may have brought yours with you. It may be on your phone or your tablet nowadays. But nonetheless, it's the Bible. It's come through generations and generations and generations. And it's now available to all. And it's God's revelation of himself to his people. My old house group leader, years and years ago, he used to underline everything in his Bible. Whenever there was a, he, he used to underline, and I said to him, what happens when you've underlined everything in your Bible? He said, I go and buy a new one. <laughs> <laughs> but this Bible, this rock, this unmoving truth, 
which, which among other things, enables us to discern what is right, what is true, in this very, very, very confused world. Some of the thinking and ideas today in our societies, which is not only accepted, not only proclaimed, but is actually promoted as truth. And we know they're certainly not the truth. And friends, having an understanding of the truth as written in God's word will prepare us for difficult times ahead. Now when I say us, I mean you and I, the church. We're going to have difficult times ahead. We're not going to agree with everything that's going on in government and in the authorities. We're going to say, no, hang on a minute, I don't agree with that. That doesn't line up to the word of God. And we're going to get, we're going to have a difficult ride. Be prepared for that, guys. This is, we're going to have, the church is going to be stormed. We're going to be under attack. People will say, no, rubbish. We're going to be dismissed. But you have to be ready for that. That's why we preach in this church from the Bible. It's a living word, and it is the preacher's responsibility in this church to preach from the word. Often we preach a series, like we preach through the book of Acts, or we preach through one of the Gospels, going through chapter by chapter, the easy bits and the difficult bits, the bits that are easy to understand and the bits that you think, I don't understand this but we faithfully preach the word. How fortunate it is for our children that have gone out to the adventurers group. They have memory verses. How fortunate it is for them. I never learnt memory verses. I didn't get saved or didn't come to know Jesus until I was mid-30s. So I never learnt memory verses. But how fortunate it is for those youngsters out there now Bless them out there now, Lord, that they're learning memory verses, that the truth, they won't remember all of them, but some of them they'll remember, and it will help them in their life, lives ahead, to be able to speak the truth. So how do we ask this question? Did Jesus first come, or come at the first Christmas? Sorry, got a bit of bad back. Um, hang on, lost my place. Well, let's turn to the Bible. Let's turn to John's Gospel, chapter 1, and we're going to look at first notes. I've got it on ESV on my notes, but I'm going to read from the screen here. This is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, and then we're going to jump down to verse 14. It says, In the beginning, in the beginning, right, this is right at the very beginning, in the beginning, was the word. Even that's in past tense. It's not in the beginning is the word. God was before the beginning. Because in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning. He, now hang on a minute, we've got a, we've got a person here. He was in the beginning. With God. That's Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, 
And without him was not anything made that was made. And jump down to verse 14. And the word became flesh. Now there's the Christmassy bit. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory as of the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. What is essential is that the first three verses in this gospel, the word of God is said to be God and to be with God. Now, I know this is kind of hurting. It's a little, it hurts your brains a bit, doesn't it? It's a Sunday morning and you think, I, don't, I, don't, I can't grasp this. And this is why we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I pray now, Holy Spirit, reveal let truth just sink upon us, Lord. Holy Spirit, fall upon us now as we, as we just look at these words that in the, the word of God is to be God and to be with God. We have two persons, God and the word of God. And the second person, the word of God, is God and is with God. You see, Jesus was always there with God as God. It's, it's a, it's, I know it's not easy, but it's Christmas carols. Oh, we don't, don't we like a good sing? A Christmas carol, the carol service will come up, we'll do it on the, the last Sunday before Christmas. And I like a really good carol service. Bring your friends and people wear silly jumpers. Oh, good old carol service. And I guess we all have our favourite Christmas carol. Mine happens to be, O come all ye faithful. Believed to be written by a guy called John Francis Wade. I never knew that. I looked it up yesterday. I thought, well, it's... But other people say they wrote it. So there's a bit of an argument who actually wrote it, but it doesn't matter. But there's a line in that Christmas carol that says, Very God begotten not created now you probably don't want to hear me sing but i think you might remember very god begotten not created now what does that mean very god it's not language that we use today and begotten what does begotten mean we understand the word created but what is begotten i don't understand written all those years ago and we sing it every christmas well, begotten means it comes from yourself. So it, it came from God himself. God did not make Jesus. God, God did not create Jesus. God, it was of God. It's like if you have children, your children are of you. They don't only take your name, but they are of you. They're not, you don't create them, you don't make them. No, they, they are begotten from you. Very God, begotten, not created. When Jesus came to live on earth in the flesh, God came as man. And he lived a sinless life. 
Well, he could only live a sinless life because he is God. God cannot sin. God cannot look at sin. So that's how people say, oh, when we hear people say, Jesus, well, he lived a sinless life. Yes, he did, because he's God. Fully man, fully God. In Romans chapter 8, Paul wrote, God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. In fact, uh, Brent spoke, spoke this out this morning in Philippians 2, in the, in the likeness of men. He came in the likeness because there was no sin. He looked like a man, he acted like a man, he breathed, wept, slept, ate like a man, but he didn't sin. So he came in the likeness of man because we all sin. We can't help it. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh and it's so important to really see this because the forgiveness of sins, the salvation to be reconciled, all these long words I know, to be redeemed, to be reconciled. I know they're all familiar words, but it's so important to know that Jesus is God. Because if he wasn't, salvation hasn't happened. Forgiveness hasn't happened. Reconciliation hasn't happened in its fullness. It's because Jesus was a sinless man on this earth and he was God. The sin of the world was put upon him. On the cross, Jesus became the ultimate and forever sacrifice and he died in the place of sinners. That's you and me. That's all of us. Bearing God's punishment for our sin. Redeeming us by his blood. Now what does redeeming mean? It means being brought back into God's possession. The blood of Jesus brought us back into God's possession. Now we've mentioned, funny enough, I, when... Brent spoke earlier on about the blood offerings and the curtain and everything. I thought, they've read my notes. And then Patrick followed up with going to the pantomime in Liverpool. I thought, these guys have read my notes. Because we can read about the blood offerings and Hebrews chapter 9, it makes it very clear about what the high priest had to do when he went in, etc. He had to take the blood of goats and calves, the blood of animals and going into the holies of holy of holies once a year <clears throat> now I know it's not true but it gives an idea that he's had a rope tied around his ankle so if he happened to have a heart attack or collapse in there they could pull him out because others weren't allowed to go in it was such a holy place so if the old priest snuffed it when he was in the holy of holies they'd pull on the rope and pull him out now I'd there's no documentation for that, but it does give you an idea of how holy it was. That nobody could go in, they couldn't send the ambulance crew in to bring him out. No, because it was too holy, you had to drag him out. And he would go in once a year with the offerings on behalf of the people 
to cleanse, of pe to cleanse the people for their sin for that particular year. But when Jesus died on the cross, it was the ultimate sacrifice. The curtain in the temple was torn in two, as we've heard, but it was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Man did not tear that curtain. It wasn't torn from the bottom, it was torn from the top. And it's just little things, like, little details like that, you think, yes, God himself tore that curtain. Man could not reach the top. It was torn from the top to the bottom. Jesus dying on that cross with the sins of the world, that's our sin, our shame, our disobedience, on him became the ultimate and forever sacrifice for all mankind. This is, this is such, such amazing truth. Not just for the time being, not just for the 2020 or 2021, 2022, not just for this year. For now and eternal, it's eternal redemption. Eternal, eternally forgiven because of Jesus. Redeeming us, to, he freed us from the captivity. We were entrapped by sin and by the payment of the ransom, the ransom being his own blood, not the blood of a calf, not the blood of a bull, but Jesus' own blood. And we have access, as Brenton said, we have access to the Holy of Holies because of the sacrifice of Jesus. This is who Jesus is. But anybody stops you in the street and says, who do you think Jesus is? You say, Jesus is God. And not only that, he died for me. So my sins are now forgiven. And I can step into the holy. I can stand with my arms in the air, worshipping God. And I'm telling you, friends, there'll be a day where that's going to be difficult to stand on the streets and say that. People will start booing at you and throwing things at you. They probably do it now. In, in countries across the world, that happens now. And it's going to happen in our streets. We're going to get insulted. But yeah, but won't it be great? You think, yes, because I'm standing for truth. We have access to the Holy of Holies. We can come fully into the presence of God. It's not a tent for us. It's not a physical curtain for us. But we can stand in this school hall sitting on plastic chairs we can enter in with the worship and the musicians playing. We can enter into the full presence of God. What a privilege, guys. What a privilege. Here come the youngsters. Hey, great to see you guys. What a privilege. So where is Jesus now? Well, we know that Jesus died on the cross and was buried. The Bible tells us that. And we celebrate the fact that he rose from the dead on the third day. You now we celebrate it Easter, but actually we celebrate it every day. It's not just an Easter thing. Every day we celebrate that. And the tomb is now empty. And he met with the disciples after he came out of the tomb. 
they were fishing and they came back and he said, do you have any fish in your nets? They said, no. He said, well, put the net out the other side and bring the fish in. We'll cook some for breakfast. 153 fish, it says. This is in John chapter 21. I mean, <laughs> who, who counted them? Who counted 153 fish? And Jesus got the barbecue going and started grilling the fish. Just imagine that scene, sitting up, standing on a warm beach, the, the water there and the sand in between your toes, and Jesus is cooking your breakfast. A little bit of fish, just turning them over so they don't burn. And he had breakfast with them. Fully man, fully God. Even after the resurrection, he was eating with his disciples. A clear demonstration that Jesus overcame death. Death could not hold him. And on the screen, John chapter 11, verse 25, when Jesus said to Martha, I, Martha, he says, I am the resurrection. Not that I caused it, I can make it, I can make it happen. No, I am, he was saying. I am, the same words that are right in the beginning, of, uh, right in the, in the Old Testament. Who do, who do we say you are, Lord? Tell the people I am who I am. And here's Jesus saying, Martha, I am. Jesus is God. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Just let that sink in for a moment. We will never die. Our bodies will fade away. We know that. Some of us are getting a little bit older, creaky. I certainly am. I can't move as quick as much as I, as nimbly as I used to. I watch Strictly Come Dancing. I think oh, I don't know how they do those, those positions. But I will never die. When we talk about grace, and you're often in church, we talk about grace. This is grace. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. We can't buy it. We haven't studied for it. We haven't got any past exams. No, this is grace. Do you have to understand the Bible from cover to cover? No. Do you have to attend every prayer meeting? No. Remember, Jesus says, whoever believes in me. This is grace beyond measure. This is faith, not works. You don't have to come here early and put the chairs out, although thank you everybody that has put the chairs out. You don't have to come here and make the coffee because, no, thank you for making the coffee, but you don't do it because there's no favour in heaven because you're already, you already believe in Jesus. You've already been saved. We are forgiven, we're cleansed, we're made whole. We're made strong in his love and he gives us the ability through the Holy Spirit to believe in Jesus. We're under no condemnation now. God himself gave himself for, for us so we can be with God. Nothing, no one can bring condemnation upon you now. So where is Jesus now? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, highly, highly exalted 
And we read that out in our declaration at the beginning in Philippians 2. Highly exalted. And he's interceding on behalf of the Father. What does interceding mean? He's saying to the Father, Hey, Father, bless that person. Bless Malcolm there. Bless Duncan. Yes, bless him this week. May he have a great week. He's interceding. He's speaking on your behalf. Jesus Christ is the one who died, and more than that, he was the one who was raised, who is at the right hand of the Father, who is interceding, speaking on our behalf. We are more than conquerors. In Romans 8, uh, Paul wrote, Who can condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, who was raised? who is at the right hand of the Father. We are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then Paul goes on covering everything. He says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing can separate us for the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now the musicians are going to come up. John and and Paul are going to come up and lead us in worship for another song in a moment or two. Before they come up, let me ask you a question. You may be here this morning and maybe you've never heard such truth like this. Maybe you've thought, yeah, Jesus, you know, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never really appreciated that, no, Jesus is God. Maybe you've never really heard that it is possible to be forgiven. Maybe you've never really heard it's possible to be restored, to be reconciled, to be brought together. Maybe you've never really heard that you can go through that curtain because it was torn from the top to the bottom. You can. Maybe you've never heard that. Maybe you disqualify yourself. Maybe you think, well, I disqualify myself because of this, because of that. Things I did, things that others did to me. I'm just, I, no, no, Chris, I can't possibly come into the presence of God. I'm very happy to stand at the back, but I can't possibly come because it's not for me. I'm not worthy. That's a lie. You are worthy because you're chosen by God. As Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection. Whoever believes in me, do you believe in Jesus? Maybe you've never had the opportunity to say, yes, I want to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you think, I've already said yes to Jesus, but I'd like to do it again. I'd like to know the closeness. Some of the songs we were singing earlier on, some of the words, I'd like to know the closeness of God. Call me to, draw me to yourself. Maybe you think, I'd like to be drawn to God another time, one more time. That's fine. The truth is nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
So I ask the musicians to come up now and I'll pray for us all. And while the musicians are playing, if you would like to come forward and just stand over here, I'd bit love to pray with you. If you have never, never said, Jesus, I want to be yours. I want to be like Martha. I want to say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. If you've never done that, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is nudging you now, come to the front. There'll be ladies praying with ladies, men praying with men. Don't worry about that. If you'd like to say, yes, I did it years ago, or I did it last year even, but I'd like to do it again. Well, come for more. Come and be, God is generous. He doesn't hold back. Come for more. And come and stand over there as well. But there'll be others standing with you, so you won't be isolated, you won't be on your own. We're family, we're, we're friends, we're all family here. I know there's quite a few missing today because it's half-term week, and if you're listening to this on half-term break, have a great break, guys. We're looking forward to see you next, next Sunday. Now, I'm going to pray now over it. Father, I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, come and anoint anoint your people as we hear the music being played Holy Spirit I pray speak to us now Lord Jesus thank you thank you for who you really are 